Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Okay, so how many of you remember being a part of some sort of special Christmas thing at school or church? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you loved it? How many of you were forced into it? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's a mixed bag today, too, but it was so fun to be really that we were led in worship, right, um, by our kids today. So that was a beautiful thing. Well, if this is your first time with us, uh, I know Lavelle welcomed you. I want to welcome you as well. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And this is a, a special Sunday for us. It's actually our second to last gathering of the year, which is hard to believe. 2022 is almost over. Uh, in this uh, season of Advent, which really, uh, Advent means like arrival or coming. So in kind of the essence of Advent, there is a anticipation and there is a waiting. And I was thinking this week, what are some of the hardest things to wait for? The hardest things to wait for. Um, I have four children, and for them, one of the hardest things for them to wait for is the next meal. <laughs> my, my wife took a couple of our kids, uh, my, my two oldest were part of a, a, turn, a speech and debate tournament this weekend, and so I was, I was on daddy duty. And it was amazing how right after I finished serving one meal, there was already questions about the next meal. So sometimes the hardest thing to wait for is, is meals. I remember when I was in high school, the hardest thing to wait for was the weekend. And I think that actually plays out as adults too, right? Those of us that work, we can't wait till the weekend. Um, when you were, maybe you remember, you remember a time when you were engaged to be married and the hardest thing to wait for was the wedding day. Uh, we've had, in the last year, I don't know how many babies have been born in our church, over half a dozen. And uh, Aaron and Tiffany were the, the most recent in our, in our church family. And I remember talking with him and probably the hardest thing to wait for was the arrival of that child, that birth. Um, some of you, right now, you're already thinking about it. Nap time. Like, you can't wait <laughs> till nap time later today. <laughs> so the word Advent, which uh, is uh, typically used this time of season, indicates that waiting. It's, it's a Latin word that, in, that is used for the period of waiting before Jesus' arrival. And so you might ask, and Lavelle talked about this too, like how did people know that Jesus was going to come? Uh, well, they, in many ways, they didn't really know who he would be or what he would be like, but there had been prophecies in the Jewish culture for hundreds of years about a Messiah who would come, a Messiah being a Savior. And so that's been kind of the central launching point for our, our Advent series uh, this month has been one of those prophecies, Isaiah chapter 9, one of the most famous and well-known, says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so there is this prophecy, this this word that was given about this arrival that would someday happen. As we've talked about, this arrival would usher in a new era, 
And we've been focusing as a church on that last identifying word statement about who Jesus would be, the Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. And so we've seen, as we've looked at this together, we've seen that peace is a person. Jesus embodied the peace of God. We've also seen that peace is a gift, that Jesus himself works righteousness and reconciliation on our behalf. And as a result of what Jesus does and has done, we get peace. So one of the most common misconceptions about peace is it's just some kind of feeling or state that you happen to stumble into. But it is not. It takes work to get there. And the primary person who did that work is Jesus. He is the one that works righteousness and reconciliation. And so peace is a gift that is given by Jesus. We talked about last week, then when we receive that peace, we are to become peacemakers. And to make something indicates you have to do something, doesn't it? So peace also takes work. It's not just a feeling that we wait for, but it's something we enter into. And so because peace comes as a result of righteousness and reconciliation, that means something has to change. That means there isn't righteousness and reconciliation in places in our lives, in our culture, in our society. That peace takes work, and peace is accomplished by peacemakers. Today, our fourth and final look at Jesus as the Prince of Peace, we find that there is a a part of peace that is not fully realized. And so we're going to finish these four weeks leading up to Christmas by acknowledging that we are, in many ways, in a second advent. Jesus has already come, but he said he would what? Return. Yeah, he's going to come again. And so we are waiting for his second arrival. And so today we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to to wait for peace? So going back to the arrival of Jesus that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, 6, many times we stop there. Let's look at that again. We stop here. Okay, what what a beautiful promise of Jesus coming. These are some of the things he's going to be known as, as a counselor, as a mighty God, as the perfect everlasting father, as the prince of peace. Boom, case closed. But Isaiah 9, 7 goes on and it says this about Jesus. Of the greatness of his government and peace, There will be no end. How many of you all have ever kind of lost your peace, right? (laughs) I had it and now it's gone. How do I get it back? There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Again, the foundation of peace. From when? From that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Think about that. From that time on, from Jesus' arrival until forever, he's going to uphold peace by enacting justice and righteousness. This is what our our world longs for. In in every social movement that identifies the brokenness around in the world and in the culture, the desire is for justice, for things to be made right. Right? And for righteousness, for things to be lived out in accordance to what is right. And so Isaiah's prophecy points to who was coming and what 
humanity was longing for and is still longing for today. A king coming to change everything. And if we don't think that humanity is longing for this, then, then we, we overlook what is being said and what is being lifted up and what is being um, communicated in our culture. Every political cycle that we find ourselves in, the reason it is so divisive and so elevated in our culture is because we hope that this next person will accomplish what the world desperately needs. And then what do we find out? They can't. <laughs> no political party, no king, no empire from Jesus' time till now has ever accomplished the true peace that our hearts desire. And so Jesus comes hundreds of years after this prophecy. God in the flesh. He comes as a, not as a king, but as a baby. He lives and he died. And then he overcame death. And all of what Jesus did meant that the old order of things was about to change. And that righteousness and justice, true righteousness and justice, would be seen and now be let loose to work in the earth. And so as Christians, when our celebrations are focused in the right place, this is what Christmas reminds us of. There's all sorts of fun things that, that we do culturally in these moments. The lights, the presents, the songs, the cookies, the celebrations. But when we celebrate Christmas rightly, the focus is put on Jesus as the one that brings justice and righteousness. That Jesus is the one that produces true peace. There's a famous poet named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I think if you have a name like that, you have to be a famous poet. And he, he wrote a poem called Christmas Bells, which was eventually turned into a song called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I was reading this poem, and I, I was thinking about the, the theme in there, which connects with what we've been reading. I'll just read you the first three verses. It says this, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know who he's quoting there, right? He's quoting the angels when they announced the arrival of Jesus, peace on earth, goodwill to men. This is the pronouncement on the very first Christmas night, and it, was, it set into motion what Jesus invites us into and to participate into while we wait for his return today. I don't know about you, but visuals and analogies kind of help me to better understand things sometimes, like spiritual truth or, or how scientific things work. And so the, the uh, gospel account of, of Jesus' life that John wrote um, uses this picture to, that helps me, the picture of light and of darkness. It helps me to better understand Jesus and his mission, what we need and what is broken. John 1.5, speaking of the arrival of Jesus, says this, The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. Later on in chapter 3, he says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People loved darkness instead of light. Why is that? Well, because their deeds were evil. They didn't want them to be exposed. They didn't want justice and righteousness because they were participating in the opposite. How true that is still in our world today. You know, the, the poem Christmas Bells was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow during the American Civil War. And after the first three verses that I just read that echo this, the, the angel's cry, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, Henry's poem takes a different turn. It says this, and imagine the Civil War happening. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We feel this, don't we, in this time? While we try and celebrate, there is so many things that pull us out of that celebration. War in Ukraine. Poverty in our own city. Addiction in our lives. Hopelessness. It drowns out the cry of peace on earth. This is what darkness looks like. And so it's understandable that we ask, where is this peace that was promised that would last forever? Has it been drowned out by the darkness? Has it died out like so many times I've experienced peace? Later on in chapter 14 of John's gospel, he records Jesus talking with his disciples about the fact that he's going to leave. This promised Messiah, light in the darkness, was now going to leave. What would that mean? Does that mean the light would be gone as well? Jesus promised that he's going to leave. He even says that hardship is going to come their way again. And that Satan will still continue to wage war on humanity. But Jesus says, I won't leave you alone. Never again. John 14 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And this is the way that peace is working right now in the world. It is not ended. It is continued. It moves one heart at a time. Jesus came as a baby, so subversive in the idea of what a Messiah would be. He began to work peace one person at a time to restore relationships between humans and God one person at a time. The greatness of his government that will see no end that was prophesied wasn't taking place like we would imagine from the top down, but from the bottom up. 
Jesus displayed this in his ministry. And so today we can rest on the fact, we can stand sure on the promises of God. And like a loud bell that jars us out of our complacency, the Holy Spirit will, when we need it most, reorient us to his power and his promise. Think about in your lives how God has reminded you of his presence in your life. Oftentimes, it is the moments where we need him most, where we are at our weakest, where we feel like we've run out of hope. And in those moments, two things happen. One is we often in that moment go, oh God, I'm powerless to do anything. And he's right there. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's saying, I'm right here with you in the moments that you need me. Wadsworth, Henry Wadsworth, whose son had been injured in combat in the Civil War, finishes his poem by saying this, and I'll put the words up. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. The peace of God is rooted in the reality that all that is wrong will one day be undone and that all that is right will one day be made fully known. Fully known. And so, church family, today we actually live between two prophecies. The first in Isaiah 9, 6 has been fulfilled. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came as a baby. And in the second prophecy, I don't know if you know this one, he's returning as a king. If you haven't heard this before, I want you to, if this is the only time you open your Bibles this week, go ahead and open your Bible to Revelation 19. We're going to end with this. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the pew. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that one as a gift from us. There's no such thing as stealing Bibles in our church. You can have it freely. Revelation 19. If you don't know your Bible, just turn to the very back. It's the last book of the Bible. <laughs> Revelation 19. Maybe you didn't know this. The, the Jewish people sat in these prophecies for hundreds of years about Jesus' arrival. Their, their parents told them. They told their children. Their children told their children. Hundreds of years they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And we, here we are, hundreds of years after Jesus has come, and we are waiting for him to return. I don't think we talk about this enough. And so I want to end with this. Revelation 19, verse 11. This is speaking of the return of Jesus. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and, in, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. 
Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, every uh, epic movie captures a moment just like this, where it looks like evil will prevail. It looks like darkness is going to win. And then a hero comes. And this is what we wait for. We wait for the, the culmination, the fulfillment of Jesus' promise of the greatness of his government. There will be no end. This king will return and he will deal with evil once and for all. And that's good news, isn't it? For those of us that have suffered because of evil done against us, Jesus sees that and he fully intends on dealing with that. For those of us that have been raised in systems or under governments that have been oppressive, Jesus will deal with those governments. He will make all things right. He entered into humanity as a baby and he will return as a king. You know, while we wait for something to arrive or someone to come, Oftentimes, our hearts are a little bit exposed in that moment. We maybe get a little apathetic. We may get a little doubtful. We may get a little complacent, like, is it really ever going to happen? You can imagine from Isaiah chapter 9 to when Jesus arrived, hundreds of years went by. Generations were telling of this promised Messiah And I imagine at some point, some kids somewhere, as their parents were telling them, said, yeah, right. How many generations have we been talking about this? But then it happened. (laughs) Can you imagine being the generation that got to experience the arrival of the Messiah? And so even this morning, as we talk about the promise of Jesus' return, there's a good chance that Everyone in this room is on the spectrum of either disbelief or confidence. Disbelief. Maybe if you're on that spectrum, you, you, you're, you're, you doubt, you have skepticism, you're apathetic or complacent. It probably won't happen in my lifetime. Why should I even really think about it? If you lean more towards the, 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 the area of confidence then maybe you feel this urgency to tell people about Jesus because it might be tomorrow that he returns. You're compelled into action. And you you can have joy and hope and peace despite what's going on because you know the king is going to return. And so you have peace. And I'll tell you what, what moves us closer to confidence as opposed to doubt isn't just sitting in a pew on Sunday. It's faith in action. For the shepherds, it was faith to respond to the angel's invitation and to go and find that baby Jesus. For the wise men, it was faith to take a many miles journey and to go and find Jesus. You see where this is going? Go and find Jesus. But the beautiful thing is we live after the first advent now. And so this Christmas, you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to believe and to receive what Jesus has said. And when you do, when you find Jesus, 
will find peace. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. You don't have to wait for this present to arrive under the tree. You can receive it this morning. What Jesus gives us today is a down payment on the peace that he will one day bring in full when he returns to make all things right and new again. And so, in this Christmas season, we wait with a patient expectancy. And I pray that we would also share the news of Jesus with an urgent hope. I pray that that would be the tension we live in, patient expectancy and urgent hope. Let's pray to that end this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we get to live in the second advent, that you have already come, and so we don't have to travel thousands of miles. We don't have to hear one more sermon even about this. We've heard it. We've heard the news. And so to go and find you literally means just to open up our hearts to you today and to say yes. And so if you are here today or you're watching online and you have struggled to find peace and hope and joy, you've looked in every system and social movement, you've read all the books, I pray today you would hear once and for all the truth. Jesus is what you're looking for. And you'd receive him. For the rest of us, I pray that there, we would live with an urgent hope and a patient expectancy. Whether he chooses to come in our lifetime or in the lifetimes of our grandchildren, that we would live as if we know it to be true, that he will return. And we would truly be peacemakers on this earth. So, Father, Holy Spirit, we need you. We thank you that you don't leave us alone. You don't give as the world gives. And so in this Christmas season, may we be renewed in our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.